0: On this week's NESN Patriots podcast, we discuss all the latest developments in the Patriots quarterback situation, break down how the results during their bye week impacted New England's draft positioning, and look ahead to what could be a very ugly but bizarrely fascinating matchup with the New York Giants. Welcome to the NESN Patriots podcast. I am Zach Cox, back from my little extended European... Vacation, uh, joined as always by Dakota Randall back from his extended, uh, what Floridian vacation, Landonian vacation,
1: uh, just, just Disney World, just Disney World. <laughs> it's just, okay, I'm not afraid to admit it.
0: <laughs> wasn't sure, uh, if that was a uh, common knowledge, even though everybody it's, it's pretty easy to uh, pick it up from any of your social media activity. Um, uh, <laughs> and the Patriots are back from their bye week, they got a couple of days off, they reconvened at Gillette Stadium this morning and ahead of. What may very well be the ugliest and least watchable game on the NFL schedule in the entire 2023 season, Patriots at Giants this Sunday at MetLife Stadium. We'll get into that game a little bit later. We'll get into some of the Patriots quarterback questions uh, in just a couple of minutes. Uh, But Dakota, how was the bye? It was nice to uh, get a couple days off, recharge a bit.
1: Yeah, more than anything, we talked about this last week. It was nice to not think about the Patriots (laughs) for a little bit considering that they're not a lot they're not very fun to think about these days um but yeah it was good now um, it's just a bummer that coming out of the bye what we have to look forward to is maybe the least interesting patriots game uh oh, <laughs> not i'm not going to say of all time but uh it's in the conversation i mean aside from the the draft implications but just in general uh this game could be just awful to watch awful to think about awful to talk about um so that's a bummer for that to be the uh, you know the, the post bye reward
0: I think it's almost so uninteresting that it is coming all the way around becoming interesting just because of how uninteresting it is. It's almost a, like, a paradox in my mind right now. I'm bizarrely looking forward to this game uh, between Tommy DeVito and whoever the hell is starting at quarterback for the Patriots on Sunday. Two and eight Patriots team, three and eight uh, New York Giants team by almost all metrics, two of the very worst teams in the entire NFL, but Uh, We've got to start with the question that we spoke about at length uh, on last week's episode because it still has not been answered. We still do not know who will be starting at quarterback for the Patriots this weekend, whether Mac Jones will keep his job or if the Patriots will go to one of his backup options, uh, most likely Bailey Zappi, if they do uh, take that route. We spoke with Bill O'Brien, Patriots offensive coordinator, for close to 20 minutes this morning. Uh, He didn't give any official indications one way or another Uh, based on some of his comments. It sounds like the Patriots haven't actually decided who will start this weekend. Uh, It gave the the sense that it could be essentially a a full on quarterback competition in practice this week. Uh, But certainly Mac Jones job, not nearly as uh, as much of a certainty as it has been in previous weeks. Dakota, after listening to, to to O'Brien this morning, what was your kind of, Takeaway on where the Patriots currently stand at the quarterback spot.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like he's everything he said this morning was just kind of a continuation on, uh, of, you know, what the tea leaves have, have been saying over the last week, which is, I, I think, I think Mac Jones is going to start this weekend. That's just the vibe I get listening to O'Brien, um, you know, just, the, the fact that uh, Mac got all the first or, or at least the, the majority of the first team reps in practice last week and just some of the sort of um, you know the, the reporting on the outskirts there um, just like indicating what we all sort of already know is that they don't have a better option so it's just they're in this weird spot where you know if you bench him uh, you're you know you're probably not giving the team the best chance to win and that's just not something that Uh, you know, Belichick typically signs up for, certainly not the veterans in that locker room typically sign up for, but on the other side of it, there are reports from Andrew Callahan over at the Herald that the Mac Jones has completely lost the locker room um, and that a lot of the players want to see them go away from Mac Jones. So it's just, do you, do you appease those? If that report is true, do you appease those players? um, Even though it doesn't give the team the best chance to win, where does the draft position fit in with all this? It's all a very kind of weird situation. Um, and it just goes to show how bad Mac Jones has been, because if he was even just, okay, this really wouldn't be a conversation simply because of how bad the backup sh- backup options are. But I don't know. And it's again, he, you know, Brian didn't say anything concrete, but just listening to him, the vibe he gave off, uh, it, it seems like it's pointing toward Mac uh, making the start. But again, if he has a bad week of practice, I think he's, he absolutely uh, could be benched for this game.
0: And I think it goes the other way as well. The, you mentioned that, if it kind of shows how bad Mac Jones has been, that there's a danger that could be benched for one of these backup quarterbacks. I think it's on the other side too, how bad the backup options are that this is even really a question at this point, because Mac Jones has just been, he's looked so broken all season and especially of late. And we've talked about it for hours. It seems uh, on this show and elsewhere, he just, he doesn't seem to have any confidence anymore. He's making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Typically, when a player does that, he, he repeats the same mistakes. He's eventually going to be replaced. And the fact that that hasn't yet happened yet and might not happen this week just goes to show that the Patriots really don't seem to have any sort of faith in in Bailey Zappi or Will Greer to come in and, and even be comparable, even be basically uh, the same as Mac Jones but different. Uh I mean, it's it's a difficult situation to be in if you're the Patriots. I I, I kinda got the same vibe as well that these seems to be pointing more toward like you listen to what O'Brien's had to say today, and if I had to make a prediction right now, I would say Mac Jones probably is going to start on Sunday. It does seem like they're essentially leaving the door open and hoping that Bailey Zappi or Will Greer or whoever comes in and really impresses them over the next couple of days or Mac Jones just regresses so substantially that they need to take him out. But if that hasn't happened on the practice field over the last, what, two months, two months plus the odds of it happening this week in a way that's going to significantly sway their decision-making. It seems unlikely, especially if it is true what O'Brien was saying that, Hey, players earn their spots in the practice field. They earn their spots in the practice field. They earn their spots in the practice field. If, Mac Jones has been such a better practice player than those other guys to this point. It is difficult to see that kind of changing this week. I don't know if that was the right, that would be the right call. I personally think that it's time to go away from Mac Jones and at least try something else. Uh, but I do agree that it seems like it's drifting in that direction, at least where we stand now at uh one on Monday afternoon.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it seems like, you know, the one person who's sort of been removed from the equation, at least it seems that way is Will Greer. Um, you know, there was sort of it seemed like he had all this positive momentum a few weeks back. There were some reports that the Patriots, you know, if if Mac Jones got benched, it would be Will Greer that got the first opportunity. Um, but there just really there hasn't been anything, any similar reporting really since then. Uh over the last, I want to say maybe month, three weeks, month, since really the Vegas game. Um
0: it's it's almost gone in the other direction too. Uh with yeah, like and I think you made that point
1: you, you you observed something, I think, in the, the, the one of the Patriots YouTube videos. Um yesterday or whatever that I think, um, I I haven't had a chance to read any of that yet, but I think you made an observation that Belichick almost sort of tipped his hand on that one.
0: It it seemed to be, yeah. It was initially raised by by Mike Reese in his Sunday Notes columns, which are always phenomenal, a great source of info in there. He he noted that during the Patriots All-Access interview, it seemed to give off the vibe that Will Greer was still the third quarterback, and I went in and listened to it. Yeah, it was basically an extension of what Belichick told us when we spoke with him, last week that hey there's only so many reps to go around the third string quarterback just isn't going to get that many of them the vast majority of the work that Greer has gotten uh has come with the scout team uh and when you're on the scout team you're not even typically running the Patriots plays you're basically looking at a card and saying okay this is what the Giants are going to run this week go out and, and run that which which it can which is why it can be so hard for players like that to kind of climb the ladder during the season uh O'Brien did say that uh, when he said Mac Jones took first team reps last week in practice, he did say that Bailey Zappi rotated in and Will Greer rotated it in, rotated in. Uh, We don't know what those rotations looked like, whether that was them legitimately getting chances with kind of offensive regulars or if it was them running the the second team or or whatnot. Uh, But yeah, based on Belichick's comments, unless he was really just trying to go full subterfuge and throw people off the scent so they can surprise everybody and start Will Greer on Sunday. It seemed to indicate that the odds of of him starting are significantly lower than Jones or Zappi. Uh, and it was also interesting to hear O'Brien say that uh, he basically said, yeah, you can have a quarterback competition during the season. You can have it be two guys splitting reps and fighting for that job. But once you get beyond two, it really isn't feasible. You can't do it with three or four quarterbacks, So." It seems like it's going to be a two-man competition for that that spot this week based on what we've heard from, from O'Brien and others. Um, and I'd say the, the two most likely people in that competition are certainly uh, Jones and Zappi.
1: Yeah, yeah, agreed. And it is just kind of crazy that we're at this spot after the whole – end of training camp thing where Bailey Zappi got released and, and put on the practice squad and then re-signed after the whole Mac Corral debacle. Just just that we're back at this point where it's Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi. But the difference now being uh, nobody <laughs> believes in either of them, including Zappi. Like, I don't even think there are really any Zappi fans left either. Um, just a, a weird, depressing path back to the same storyline.
0: And I think it was so clear. During that time you're talking about with Corral coming in and then Ian Book was here for like five days yeah, Ian... that they were just cycling through third string quarterbacks. It seems like they it seemed at least from an outsider's perspective that they were trying to find somebody who would be a better backup option than Zappy uh, because all those guys did have pretty similar profiles to Zappy as kind of young unestablished quarterbacks and the fact that Greer has been here for two plus months now and still hasn't been able to jump up a spot on that depth chart kind of says that. Uh, it shows that he has not done enough, nearly to uh to kind of make that leap that maybe some people were expecting them to. Yeah,
1: it's kind of a bummer that uh you know if I and who know, I don't we don't we still have no idea what what was going on with Matt Corral or what still is going on with Matt Corral because I don't even think he's on a team, is he? I was just gonna say that I don't believe so. I feel like we haven't. It's uh,
0: I might I might be misremembering. I feel like there was a report like linking one other team to him. Either through a visit or through something else, that might have just been him, like kind of like visiting the Patriots that day right, where right. he actually got released. Um, but yeah, team. he definitely has not latched on with another team since he was since he was released. Yeah, but
1: it's interesting because by now we probably would have seen him in a game, uh, and he was—I mean, he was what a second-round pick last year, or second or yeah, third.
0: Yeah, uh, I believe he was a third round, but he was somebody that was getting like legit first-round buzz until late. Yeah, in yeah, he was in his final college year.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, he was a real option in Carolina until he got hurt. Um, you know, and maybe the reason why he was released at the end of the camp, maybe there's some overlap with why things didn't work out here in new England, but from a talent perspective, he certainly would have been an interesting option to see, get a look here at this point in the season. Um, you know, and as the way things have played out, um, he would have, you know, had an opportunity here. Um, so (laughs) coulda, woulda, shoulda, but it would have been interesting to see the Matt Corral experience by now.
0: Yeah. So we will see how all of this actually shakes out. Patriots are scheduled to hold. Their first practice of the week on Tuesday. Bit of a different schedule this week with uh, with coming back from the bye. Uh, we'll hear from Bill Belichick Tuesday morning. Uh, by the time you listen to this, that may have already happened. Um, who knows if he'll give us any indication of, at that point or whether it will be a, hey, the guy has to earn it on the practice field this week and we won't find out until later this week. But certainly still a developing storyline and easily the most important one going into this game. Uh, but I think the most important storyline for this game and for the rest of the season is going to be the Patriots draft positioning. Uh, the Patriots did catch something of a break uh, on Sunday when the giants who are kind of neck and neck with them competing for one of those top spots. Uh, they were able to beat the Washington commanders uh, with Tommy DeVito, their third string rookie quarterback. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals did lose. So it was kind of a, a, a net neutral for the Patriots in terms of draft positioning. But this is, I don't know, you, you've gotten a little bit more in the weeds with the with the strength of schedule and all of this other stuff that than I have. Uh, I'm certain, I'm sure I'm going to have to join you there at some point over these next uh, six, seven weeks. But yeah, it, brief summary, how did this weekend, this, this bye week alter or impact what the Patriots are looking at draft wise?
1: Well, you know, I, the interesting thing about this weekend is, up until the end of the the early afternoon slate or, or whatever, until the end of a few of these games, I mean, the Patriots were, were about to be sitting in the number two spot uh, and in a, in a really good position because it looked like Arizona was going to beat the uh, the Texans uh, and then they blew it at the end there. It looked like the Bears were going to beat uh, the Lions and then the Lions made a, a comeback drive at the end there. But if both those results had panned out, the Patriots would be in a number two spot right now um, and, you know, just one game back. Uh, a one loss back of the Carolina Panthers. So that would have been interesting. Um, but as it stands right now, yeah, the, the Patriots are third um, at two and eight with Carolina, Arizona, for and uh, first and second, respectively. Uh, Bears, Giants, fourth and fifth overall. But the Giants' loss is huge for the Patriots because I think, you know, last week a lot of us were looking at that game and saying, you know, the, the Giants might not, win an, not, might not win another game the rest of the season. So if the Patriots win that game, that probably – it would make it incredibly difficult for them to leapfrog the Giants again in the draft order. But now, and even if the Patriots win this game, uh, they would have the same record as the Giants at three and eight. And then it comes down to the strength of schedule tiebreaker, where the Giants currently have the edge in that at 520 to 538, but there's a lot of season left. That's not a, a big gap at all. That can change over the course of a week or two. Um, so that's huge. I mean, it, this game, but on the other side, if the Patriots lose this game, you know, they are really sitting pretty uh in a, in the top three. It, it's really at that point just what the Bears do. Um so it'll be interesting to see if the Bears pick up another win. But those really it's Arizona, Chicago, and New York are the three teams that I, you know, everybody I think needs to keep an eye on. You know, with Tennessee sort of looming there at three and seven, if the Patriots win and the Giant and the Titans lose this week, um, you know, I think the Titans actually could leapfrog the Patriots, but regardless, um, you know, I think the Patriots are tomorrow, are significantly worse than the Titans. So uh you know, I, the the main thing, though, going forward is just and we talked about it last week is the the, the in the weeds strength of schedule talk, which, you know, it, it's just as we you look up and the seasons almost over what there are seven weeks left, six or seven. Um,
0: uh, I think eight weeks left, seven games.
1: No, seven games, right. Seven games left for the Patriots. So, you know, that's going to go by pretty quick. And so in, in three more weeks when it's just four games left, you know, we're talking about at that point, the, the strength of schedule really doesn't can't change all that much. Um so it's you know it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here but uh the other the big thing that happened I think also over the weekend is even though Arizona lost their game and they're now 2 and 9, the Patriots actually leapfrogged them in strength of schedule. So if the 2 te- if they had the same record right now, if the Patriots had played this week and lost, they actually would have the number 2 pick based on strength of schedule. Um so and then uh, you yeah. know
0: and, and I mean, yeah, obviously no, obviously you the, go down the, the rabbit hole
1: and why Arizona. Arizona? Murray
0: situation is going to be a, a significant factor in that moving forward. The fact that they certainly the Cardinals are going to be much more likely to win a few of their games down the stretch with Murray in there than they would have been with whoever backup they they had in there. Uh, yeah. And then you never know. That's I mean, there's we talked about it last week. We'll talk about it a lot more. the, the Murray factor in them potentially wanting or not wanting a quarterback at the top of the draft as well. So one of the uh, yeah. Something to something to monitor, uh, as you're kind of scanning the rest of the NFL uh, over the rest of the
1: season here. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's going to be chaos if uh, if Carolina somehow gets a win here down the stretch. Yeah. Which, there's been a couple of games where they've been close. What they they played Dolphins tough for like a minute in one of those games. They were hanging around in their game this weekend. Um, you know, I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they pick up one or two down the stretch as bad as they are. Um, so I just I mean the 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 door. It, it seems like the Patriots are a long shot to get the first overall pick, but it's just one game. I mean, anything yeah, yeah. can happen, and it's, it's the path is there.
0: And also, too, the Patriots, we should note, have a very easy schedule, or not a very easy, a reasonably easy schedule down the stretch with some of the teams that they have left. The Giants, as we mentioned, are terrible. The Chargers have looked terrible, even though they have significantly more talent, you would probably say, than the Patriots. Uh, the Steelers don't look good right now. You got the Chiefs. Obviously, that's going to be a difficult game. The Broncos have been looking much better of late. The Bills, who knows? At this point, they're kind of a uh, a and Hyde-type team this year. Uh, and then the Jets in Week 18, who just benched Zach Wilson about half an hour before we started recording. Who knows whether they'll have Aaron Rodgers back back by that point or, or whatnot. But, uh, yeah, it's going to – I still, if I'm looking at it right now, I have a hard time seeing the Patriots just losing all of these games or going like 1-7 down the stretch. Uh, it's probably based more on on kind of resume and history than this current team which really can't seem to beat anybody but it's i don't know it's going to be it's going to be fascinating to see whether this just kind of completely torpedoes and the patriots finish i don't know what 2 and 15 3 and 14 which is probably going to be necessary to get one of those top picks or if they do, do show a little bit of life down the stretch, win a couple games, and then find themselves sort of in no-man's land. But uh, I think this weekend's game against the Giants is going to kind of show you where this season might be going. Uh, I think if the Patriots come out and – because I think they're a better team than the Giants, even though they have not played that way. You look at most of the the advanced metrics, and it's essentially the Giants are one of the NFL's worst teams in pretty much every measure. Now, obviously, they don't have their starting quarterback. They don't have their backup quarterback and they did just win a game on Sunday against a team that beat the Patriots a couple weeks before in the Commanders. So nothing is any way guaranteed for this Patriots team at this point. But if they come out and play a solid game and beat a very bad team, then I think maybe you look at them as, okay, this team clearly hasn't just quit and given up. They're probably going to be a little bit competitive down the stretch. Maybe it's not going to be an absolute, complete and total bottom-out season. Maybe they end up with... Uh, five wins or six wins on the season, but if they come out and look the way they did uh, against the Colts in Germany, look the way they did a couple of weeks earlier, and this is just a kind of non-competitive blah game, even if the score ends up being close, like a couple of the Patriots' recent games, then I think you could say, "All right, well, buckle up. This is going full kind of tank mode, and it's going to get even worse down the stretch." So I, I think it's it's really going to shape a lot for how this how the rest of the season is going to go.
1: Yeah, you know, and the the, the kind of crazy scenario and all of this is um and this is obviously not going to happen, but if they went out, <laughs> which is the, the, the idea that the the thought of the Patriots winning seven games in a row is so crazy to think about. But if they went out, they'd be nine and eight. Um, and that and we you wouldn't have said this going into the season, probably based on what people thought of the AFC, but nine and eight probably would be enough to get you in. Um, and like, as you mentioned, the schedule is soft enough where like, if they were even just okay, like you could see them maybe rattle that off. Um, cause like you can make a case for each of those games re- with the exception of Kansas city. Um, uh, but even that, like, you know, who knows? Uh, but it's just, you know, maybe they like to your point, if you're just trying to, if, if you don't, if you're or someone who doesn't want them to tank for a draft pick and you just don't want as fun as the top draft pick is to think about, you don't want to be a, you know, your team to be an embarrassment you know you could look at this and and talk yourself into a scenario where if they win if they put their best foot forward and win convincingly against the giants and then maybe they build off of it against the 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 chargers well now you're talking about you know Steelers, despite being six and four whatever they are bad and then you know all of a sudden you look up and you're five and eight um which is still terrible but you just you start thinking about it a different way and also at that point now you're you're not you might not be in the top 10 in the draft order so your best hope for that point is hey maybe we can get into playoff position
0: on that point it's just such a it's such a bizarre place where we are right now uh, in this kind of where the patriots are at this point i I remember bill belichick and and tom brady and some patriots leaders are always, always talking in the past about you don't really know what kind of team you have until thanksgiving and typically that meant all right, you can scuffle a little bit early, you play play poorly in September, usually it rounds into form and then you kind of go forward from there toward the the inevitable AFC championship push. This team, I mean, we're four days out, three days out from from Thanksgiving at this point. And this team is dead. I know we just talked about kind of theoretical playoff pass, but that's I use not playoff out. in the same Patriots.
1: sentence as the Patriots.
0: <laughs> this Patriots season has basically been over since what, the Dolphins game, the Commanders game, for at least a couple of weeks now, for all intents and purposes, the Patriots have been dead, dead in the water from a a playoff contention standpoint, even in a very bad, or or not very bad, but a certainly watered-down AFC East compared to what people were expecting. And this is the first game that I can remember really in my lifetime that everybody that I've seen, that I've talked to in real life, seen on social media, wants them to lose this game every Patriots fan. They're in a situation where I think if people, I'd be curious to see how this would play out if this game was at home. And unfortunately it's in New York, so you won't get the the home crowd reaction. But I think if they win this game, there will be some people in the fan base, a large number of people in the fan base that are going to be legitimately angry. They're going to say, why are we winning this game? This is a team that, this is a game we need to lose for draft positioning. And the fact that that is now kind of the, the prevailing sentiment, at least from what I can gather from the, the Patriots fans that have come across my timeline and, and my life, it's just, I don't know. There's no nothing else to say other than it's bizarre. And we're still, again, two months, month and a half from, from the end of the season. It's, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know what really the point of, of that whole rant was. It's just it's such a weird place to be as a Patriots observer.
1: It is, but, it you know, and it is interesting now being in this, on this side of the conversation because you do look at it and you're like, you know, it, it you, it, it's, it's franchise altering the next seven weeks. Yeah. I mean, it, you it's people look at it like, well, you know, if you don't get the top pick this year, you know, let's see what happens next year. Maybe uh, you get a free agent, maybe you draft someone in the second or third round, but like all, for a lot of fans think that, and then they look up 20 years later and they're the Browns or the Dolphins or the Lions, and they haven't been able to find that quarterback and you can just you can just bottom out for 15 20 years you know Patriots fans can't even fathom that but it can happen and so and you rarely get to the top of the draft board like this with two quarterback prospects especially one in Williams who's seen as a generational sort of talent and you know if he is that good things can turn around for the Patriots in a hurry look at the Jaguars I mean I don't know if, if Trevor Lawrence has been everything we thought he would be I think he's been very good and the arrows pointing up but regardless that team was terrible A few years ago and now they're seven and three and some people would argue that they're the best team in the afc um and so it can it can change in a hurry if you get that quarterback and for the patriots like it's it's right there in front of them if they lose this game that's a weird way to say it's right there in front of them and usually you say that about like a path it up. yeah but you know if they lose to the giants and they're they, they drop to two and nine i mean if you just look at the remaining strength of schedule and again this can change the cardinals have the eighth um, hardest remaining staying the strength of schedule, and the Patriots have the 20th hardest. So, the Patriots have them among the easiest. So, just if both of Basically those teams lose hybrid, out,
0: they would be in good shape.
1: Yeah. If the, if both those teams lose out, it's not certain, but it's, it's close to a a, a layup that the Patriots would finish ahead of the Cardinals and have at least the number two pick in the draft. Uh, and it, as crazy as it is to talk about, that is realistic and it's on the table. So, the, this game is absolutely huge for like. The, the, near, the near and long-term uh, you know, prospects of the New England Patriots, which and is just a crazy the, reality that we're in.
0: It's the la- It's the first time since certainly the early 90s when it ever really made sense for the Patriots to want to lose games, quote-unquote, where it would benefit them more if they lost than if they won. You basically have to go back to, when did they draft Drew Bledsoe? 1994? It was either 93 That's or 94.
1: I think 93. I think 94 was his first season, if I had it right. Yep.
0: So every year since then, there hasn't been a kind of player that they or a, a hole that was large enough that they needed to fill. Even in some of their bad seasons, even some of the uh, the Pete Carroll years where they were mediocre, even in Belichick's first season, uh, they're going five and eleven. But you're not saying, man, they should really lose some of these games down the stretch so they get a, a higher draft pick. They already had their franchise quarterback. Well, it wasn't it wasn't the one that they thought that they had, but still, that wasn't the situation that they're in. Now you're saying hey there is a very clear need on this team that we can fill if we lose 7 of these final games and, and it's just yeah it just goes back to the point of it being uh, a very odd reality for the Patriots to be in right now.
1: Yeah but is this the is this the, the, the biggest game for the Patriots since the the 2018 Super Bowl?
0: That's this is why it's going back to this game actually being moderately compelling for how uncompelling it is, just how bad these teams are and where they both are at. And what is, like you said, what is on the line in this game? Uh, And it's funny too, that it's the Patriots and the Giants who have had, obviously played in two Super Bowls. They've had some great regular season matchups over the years. Uh, And now it's just them kind of duking it out for potentially being in that uh, top two or three draft position. But one other interesting thing to watch for this Patriots team over these final seven weeks of the season to me is just who on this team is going to be part of it moving forward, not just next season. Uh, I know the Patriots roster is most likely going to turn over uh, a fair bit this offseason, but like who on this, this current Patriots team, can you envision being a foundational star level player on the next contending Patriots team, whenever that is, whether that's 2024, whether that's 2026, whether it's a couple of years down the line, Looking at kind of building block, block players on this roster, there really aren't a lot of them. Uh, there certainly aren't a lot of them on offense. Uh, I, I looked through it last week, and I picked out five. I picked out Christian Gonzalez, Demario Douglas, Christian Barmore, Jabril Peppers, and Jawan Bentley, with a kind of 5A being Jelani Tabai, uh kind of joining Bentley in there. There are a couple other ones you can make the argument for, uh, like a, potentially a Ramondre Stevenson, but Patriots have only ever re-signed one running back that they drafted, and that was James White. Matthew Judon is still a great player, but he's going to be 32 years old this offseason. You don't know what's going to happen with guys like Uenu, uh and Duggar in free agency this offseason. Uh, and then s- basically every other member of that draft class, except for Gonzalez and Douglas, in my mind, just hasn't shown enough to warrant an inclusion on a list like this um but what what do you, how would you view this whole thing here what do you think about the guys uh that i kind of pinpointed there is there anybody that i i blatantly left off
1: uh before i answer that i just saw on twitter that jack jones is saying he's going to block a bunch of patriots reporters
0: yeah, uh, so I'm I, just, uh, I, yeah. I am I'm more than a, a little bit sure that that was probably a direct uh direct response to a story that you wrote earlier about him potentially doing a uh his his what's it called his his Instagram story potentially was I was this a shot at Bill Belichick kind of thing where calling Antonio Pierce the greatest uh the the greatest head coach in the NFL wouldn't wouldn't be shocked but yeah he's uh Jack Jones is is I don't know I I would say that his social media activity over the last 2 3 weeks has been uh, leave something to be desired
1: yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, to your, to your original point. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how Demario Douglas does down the stretch, despite the quarterback situation. Is he uh, a foundational piece? As you mentioned, Christian Barmore in that conversation, I think, obviously, um, not, not too many outside of that. Um, you know, I I'd like to see, you know, them maybe try and see what they have on the offensive line with some of these young players. Um, I don't know. I and mean, it's weird. I don't know what they can do. Like, what are you going to do bench David Andrews and start playing Jake Andrews? You're not, you can't like, do let's that. Let's take but, our
0: bad offensive line and make it worse. So we can see how this guy. Yeah. It's, it's a tough spot to be in.
1: Yeah. But you'd like to see like, what do you have in mafia, Jake Andrews? We already are seeing what they have in city. So. Um, So I, you know, that kind of stuff, but I'll tell you what the the thing, one of the, the, the things I'm most interested to watch down the stretch this season is, you know, I want to see what, if any, kind of send off bill belichick gets mm-hmm. and how this story sort of develops towards the end of the season like if it becomes clear that he's done maybe we get some sort of definitive report before the season finale who knows but if we don't and if it's kind of in the same sort of mystery place where the brit where tom brady was after that um playoff loss to the uh to the tennessee titans like does bill belichick ever get his big send off with the patriots and that would be kind of interesting because. That would mean, uh, you know, four of the, the real pillars of the, the second Patriots dynasty all didn't get real send offs. Brady, after that Titans loss, was obviously a sour note to go out on. And we didn't have any clear answers. Julian Edelman never got a proper send off um, because he, his final season was in that COVID season. um, And Rob Gronkowski never got one because his final game was in that Super Bowl. And then he retired and we really haven't seen him do anything Patriots related since. And so are we just going to get some kind of boring season finale game against the, the Jets and the crowd files out midway through the third quarter for some reason. And then Bill Belichick doesn't get his big sort of standing ovation that you would think he would deserve. Um, so just, just a sidebar. I'm just, you know, I'll be curious to see how that looks at the end of the season. Um, well, but Also
0: too, the, to
1: the, to interrupt
0: quick, the the final game being against the Jets too is a, a fascinating wrinkle in all of that. Obviously, Belichick came from the Jets with the trade to come to the Patriots. He has hated the Jets for years and years and years. Yeah, full circle. If that could potentially be his final game as a Patriots head coach against the Jets, potentially with uh, draft positioning on the line for the Patriots. And and yeah, is it going to be like, is the crowd going to view it as kind of a a foregone conclusion? It it probably depends on where the Patriots, uh, how they do over these next couple of weeks, but. If the Patriots go into that game at three and thirteen, I feel like everybody's going to have a pretty good idea that it most likely will be Bill Belichick's last game. And is it is it treated then as kind of a full on afternoon of celebration for Belichick, or yeah, it's going to be a a, a very bizarre kind of I don't know, kind of moment for for a the the potential end of, of such a storied coaching career. Uh, and is it going to come out before the game that's hey this is going to be bill belichick's final game as head coach they're going to part ways after the season probably yeah, not like does, but yeah
1: does he give a wave like does he yeah. if the crowd gives a little chair for him does he give the acknowledgement which you know it could be seen as a tacit confirmation you know like all that kind of stuff it'll be you know there'll be, there could be some fascinating layers to that game unless you know it, it, maybe that maybe we find out a couple of weeks in advance, like something gets announced or clarified. I'd be surprised by that, but you know, all, we're, I feel like we're going to get so consumed by draft position talk here down the stretch that we might start to forget about the Belichick angle, because it feels like the job status stuff peaked over the last couple of weeks where we all thought maybe he could get fired before the buy that I could see a scenario where maybe that storyline fades into the background as we start focusing on Caleb Williams, Drake may um, that we almost forget that we're in the, we could be in the final days of, the most significant coaching tenure in, like, maybe pro sports history, right?
0: Yeah, going to be a very weird couple of months. Uh, Again, Patriots start back up this week. Uh, They have their first practice Tuesday before they travel to the New York Giants on Sunday. Uh, Any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode here? None. Zero. (laughs) Empty the tank. I love it. (laughs) But, all right, you can... For any remaining final thoughts, you can follow me on Twitter or on X at Zach Cox Nesson. You can follow Dakota at Dak Randall Nesson, and you can follow along with all of our Patriots coverage before, during, and after Sunday's game against the Giants on Nesson.com.